We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon. Well, hey, Fox River. I mean, Fox River Waterford, Fox River Muskego, Fox River Waukesha, Fox River joining us online, and those just kind of checking out Fox River. We are so glad to have you here. In fact, I am especially glad to have you here with us this particular weekend. If you would have been given a tag that says, I am on it, on your way in with a marker, almost every one of us would have wanted to simply write our name on it, right? We would have put our name on it, and we'd think, boom, we are all done and taken care of. Unless, unless we were told, you can't use your name. You need to fill out the tag, I am, without using your name. What would you put on the line? Kind of fun kind of insightful. You can do this with your friends or family a little bit later this week if you want to do that. Let's start, if you're taking notes here, so I want you to do, put three lines on both sides of this to start with, or you can use your imagination for this as well. And then write six identifiers that answer the question, I am, who you are. For example, I could put on here, I am father, husband, son, pastor, athlete, Christian. Once you've done that, now cut your list to three. What are the top three? And then of everything that you've written, what is the one thing that would go on the line here? Because what you're doing is you're beginning just to surface, this is my identity, who I see myself as. Identity, as defined in the dictionary, is this. It's who you are. Identity is the way that you think about yourself. It's the way that you're viewed by the world. It's the characteristics that define you. I think everybody would agree identity is something that is very important because it affects every area of our life. It is super important, and it is super important that we get this right. Anybody here? ever have any you know, struggles with this question like, who am I? Or trying to figure out identity. Have a friend that's, you know, again, they're struggling with identity. Anybody go through you know, some of that here? And you know how it's just kind of like, it just leaves me in this void. You know, it's like I'm just kind of left hanging as a result of it. When we start asking, identity, is it something we choose? Or is your identity something you discover? Who or what gets to define it in your life? Is your identity defined by that negative voice that speaks into your head? Is it defined by your parents, your family? How about by your friends? Maybe your identity comes from social media, and it just pours into it that way, doesn't it? Could be culture, could be the world around us. Well, our series is it speaks in these many, many voices that want to you know, speak or define us. Some of those voices are so true, right? And some of those voices are just so false. Write this down. 
you're taking notes, you can fill in the blank, but otherwise just write this one statement down. God has the true authority to define us. And as you just begin to think about that, I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer. God, would you help us to realize today, again, just how important identity is, what you have to say about it, and what it is individually that you want each of us to hear from you. We pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. And every agreement says, Now, if God has the authority, the true authority to define us, he would start by saying this. The one thing that God would say to everybody here, as you filled in the blank I am, he would say, you could write this. Write that you are a living soul. You are somebody that is made in the image of God. You're an image bearer, God would say, of himself. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a living soul? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? I'll throw a couple of you know, terms up here that would help us. It would mean that there's eternality to you. In other words, your soul isn't simply a part of your body that when your body dies, it dies. You're not a body, but you are a living soul that is now occupying a body, and it will continue on. Because you're in the image of God, you have imagination. That is, you have the power to create within your mind. Think about it. Every one of us can imagine a better tomorrow. Every one of us can write a story, or we can change a story, or we can think and bring up images in our mind right now. It's part of being in the image of God. We're people of volition. That is, we have will. We have choice. Some of us, our kids, got too much of this. How about morality? There's this intuitive right-wrong sense that we have. Sometimes we describe it as our conscience, but we know what is just and unjust. And when we experience injustice in our lives or we see it in others, there's just something that moves or stirs within us. Again, because we're in this image of God. We bear his image. And then there's love, the capacity for love. In fact, you could say that every one of our souls crave love because we are a living soul. To deny that, in other words, if you're saying, uh, I'm not going to put that as an I am. If you were to cross that out, just think about the, some of these ramifications. In other words, what you're saying, I'm not a living soul. I am simply a random compilation of elements, chemicals that have come together. No morality, no right or wrong. Uh, right now, I'm just an animal like other animals. No better, no worse. My emotions are simple chemical reactions that are randomly taking place within me. They don't mean anything. And there is no purpose to life. Now you could say, oh, that's depressing. That's bleak, isn't it? I mean, those would be ramifications if this wasn't true. But God says, it is. To each and every one here, no exceptions, you are a living soul. So why don't you just look at the person next to you and with a little bit of awe and a little bit of wonderment and a tad bit of conviction, say to them, you are a living soul. Go ahead and tell somebody that. Like, now, yeah, now, now tell me. Tell me you're not sitting up a little bit straighter in your seat right now. Like, yes, I, yeah. 
But God says that to everybody. And it gives us some foundation for identity. In fact, the first of the preferred identity markers God desires for us would be this if you're taking notes. That you and your identity is found as a child of God. I want you to read these words with me, if you would, please. Ready? So in Christ Jesus, you are all through faith. If you have a Bible with you, I want you to take it with me right now. We're going to open up this identity marker a little bit further today. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you grab the Pew Bible, um, we're actually going to look at like three different passages in here today, so this is going to be really, really helpful. We're going to start in Romans chapter 8, which is page 1610, so if you turn over there. While you're turning, I'll just add this real quickly. If you don't own a Bible, we want to take this opportunity just to give you the one you've got in your hands as a gift, our gift to you. You may want to just put a couple little stars in the, in the margins there, put some markers in and come back and look at some of these things with a little bit more detail this coming week. Verse 14 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the, say it with me, children of God. The Spirit that you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That verse we just read right there, that's where the song that all of us sang earlier, I'm no longer a slave of fear, I am a child of God. It just comes right out of the scriptures there. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now let's turn to one of Jesus' followers by the name of John. And as John wrote this autobiography, this biography about Jesus, he describes, and, and John's amazing because he can take the most complex things and put them in the simplest terms. In fact, he can take the whole gospel and put it into just a sentence or two. And we're going to see him do something similar to that in this passage. John 1, verse number 12, he says this. He says, yet to all who received him, that is Jesus, so you can write Jesus in there, Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he, that is God the Father, gave the right to become, say it with me, children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Now one of the distinctions that John makes for us right here is this child of God isn't a universal, but it's actually a part of a decision that each and every one of us make. In fact, the gospel, the good news, shows this transition that can take place. From being not yet a child of God to being a child of God. Now the gospel says you can be a child of God. That's good news, right? The gospel tells us how it happens. By putting our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross for us and in his resurrection. And it puts an exclamation point at the end that in fact, if you have done that, you are a child of God. Now here's where some confusion comes in. Sometimes the confusion is being the fact that you are made in the image of God, you're an image bearer of God, with being a child of God. This is true of everybody. There's never a person you're going to meet that isn't in the image of God, a living soul. But 
There is two distinctions. Those that have trusted Jesus, God says you are now a child of God, and those who have not yet done so, but God's desire is that we would. And if you have, as a living soul, received Jesus, God says, I want you to understand that you are now a child of mine. To which we say, cool, but so what? And there is a big so what to understanding this with regards to identity. In fact, God wants to use this as a baseline for identity in our lives. Here's why I say that. How many here are the child of somebody? Can I see your hands? Oh, look at that. That's even more than I thought. Wow. Yeah. Right? Everybody's a child of somebody. I mean, you, you, you've got that as a baseline. If I were to ask you, how many, generally speaking, had good parents? You grew up with good parents. How many like that? If your parents are with you, raise your hand whether it's true or not. Okay? Okay. Right. Okay. How many would say, not me? In other words, I grew up, but I really didn't have good parents growing up. Can I see your hands? Yeah. So, now, it doesn't matter which of those two groups that you're in, you both have a baseline for this identity marker. For those of us that say, I grew up with, generally speaking, good parents, we would say, because they did this and this and this and this and this. If those who didn't have good parents raised their hand, it was because you were thinking it's because they did this or this or they didn't do this, this, or this. But in either case, we know intuitively this is what a good parent would do for a child of theirs. And God says that is how you are going to begin to understand me and understand you better. Now today, if you are a child of mine, think about that, you're a child of guy, there would be three things that would be true. And if you are here today, you've trusted Jesus, thus you are a child of God, there are three, three things that are absolutely true. The first, if you're a child of mine, then you would be special to me. I'm going to tell you a secret. My children are more special to me. I've got five of them. My five are more special to me than all the other children that I know. Some of you are going, pastor guy. Are you saying that the children of this church are not special to you, that you don't love them? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, though, is for all the other children of the church, if they came over to my house right now, they don't have refrigerator rights. <laughs> my kids, it's like part of their birthright, but their birthright. If I had an extra $500 million laying around, I would be happy to help you and your children and the children of this church with their college education. But I don't. And so with the little bit I do have, do you know at five kids that I worked on helping with their college education? Why? Because they were special to me. God did not choose this term randomly, child of God. In fact, he uses it, he repeats it 20 different times. It's almost like in the scriptures. He takes this 
truth nail, and he wants to drive it over and over, child of God, child of God, child of God, child of God, deeper and deeper and deeper into our lives. Why? Because he wants everyone that's trusted Jesus to hear these words. You are a child of mine, and today you are special to me. You are my loved child. Now, if you're a child of mine, secondly, then I would correct you in love when necessary. Listen to what God says about this. And it really is much more efficient for us to read it than for me to even ex to explain the concept. So let's again take this scripture and go over page 1717. In Hebrews 12, verse 5, we start by hearing this. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his, what's the word? It's his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, We've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. And all God's people said, yeah, for sure, right? It's discipline, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. God says, if you are a child of mine, then you can take this to the bank. If you're not disciplined, then you're not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. This is one of those tests. How do I know if I'm really a child of God? Does he intervene in our lives at times in which we are running from him? Now, here's a couple things that's really important as we throw out this whole, this big thought of being chastened or disciplined by God. First, remember this, that not every bad thing that happens is God's correction in your life. Sometimes people hear about the correction of God, and then when something bad happens, it's like, oh, I wonder if God, you know, is God angry with me? You're driving down the road, and you get a flat tire, and the first thing you say is, oh, God, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. And it's like God says, what are you sorry for? I don't know, but I'm sorry. Right? Because something bad happened. We think it must be God's punishment. Something bad happens at work. Something breaks at home. You're thinking, this is God's judgment, God's punishment. No. In fact, God's conviction is always clear. When I have been chastened by God, and I have been chastened by God, there was never a question in my mind, why is God doing this corrective work in my life. When my kids, again, I had five kids, when I corrected them, do you think they ever wondered, I wonder what dad's correcting us for now? Why am I getting punished for now? <laughs> they always, the one thing that was clear, this is what it is. Here's the thing that is becoming the relational wedge. 
This is what I see that is going to cause great destruction in your life, and I want to save you from it. This is what is tearing relationship apart. You're going this way far from God. His Spirit makes that clear to us. God doesn't correct us in anger or in vindictiveness. God's never doing this. All right, that's enough. I'm pulling over now. Right? I'm like, bad enough. God didn't do that. But God's correction is always, 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 always to restore us. As I said, our sin breaks relationship with God. Our sin can bring great destruction in our life, and God says, I want to save you from that. Jesus' desire is life and life to the full. Now, as I said, when I've corrected my kids, I didn't always get it right. God always gets it right in order to restore us if we're willing to repent, acknowledge, here's what I've been doing, why I've been doing it, and God, I want to come back to you. He does that because he loves me as a child of his. Now, if you're a child of mine, you'd be special to me, right? I would correct you in love when necessary. And number three, I guarantee you this, that I would be there for you. Denise and I, when our kids were in grade school and they'd go over to a friend's house, we'd tell them, if there's something happening over there that's a problem, if there's um, something's making you uncomfortable, whether it's an adult or another child, something, some situation, you just call us and we're gonna come, we'll come get you right then. I mean, immediately. When they got to middle school, we told them the same thing again. When they got to high school and there's party and more friends and things going on, we told them the exact same thing again. You call, we are going to be there for you. I told my kids, if you're in a car accident, you call me. I'll be there for you. And they called. And they called and they called. <laughs> I, was out, I was out in snowstorms. I was out in the rain. I'm out in the dark. I'm out in the middle of the day. Most of the time, I'm there before the police officer gets there. I'm there with them crying beside the road. I was always there. Told them I'd be there for them. One time. One time. One of our kids, he actually gave himself up last night. I told him, I'm not going to give you up, you know, today that way. One time, one of our kids, he called. His dad had just been in this accident, and you could tell, you know, a little bit of that, you know, choked up in their voice. And I was in Kenya. I was in Kenya with Denise um, at the time. And I'm like, I got to get to, I mean, I got to get to him. I've always been there for them. I'm like, Denise, get a ticket. I got to (laughs) go. But because I couldn't, you know what I did? I was immediately on the phone. I called my brother, and I said, Dean, you know, you got to go there. You got to be there for him. I called, you know, the siblings, so they're there, and they immediately there was somebody right there with them. God's word to us is this as a child of mine, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will always be there for you. There was only one time that a child of God did not have God there with them when he cried out to him. And that was Jesus. And the time was when he was on the cross. And Jesus' words to his father, he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He cried out these words, my God, 
God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you not here with me when I need you now? And God had turned his back on Jesus at this moment because Jesus had taken upon him the entire sin debt. Mine, yours, that of the world. If you ever wonder what the cost was for Jesus to purchase forgiveness, salvation for us, these words begin to give us some insight into just how much Jesus had to do. And if you haven't received him yet, this invitation of his, what I have done, I desire to be able to gift to you. I think that there's some that are just hearing this message today to be able to hear these next words. It's because you're in a very dark time in your life. You're going through some stuff right now and you are honestly asking this question, God, where are you? God, have you left me? God, have you forsaken me? And as a child of God, God wants you to hear these words. I am with you now. I'm with you in the pain. I am with you in this difficulty, in this suffering that you're going through or alongside you as you're with somebody and they're suffering and it is just so eating at you. And I will never leave you. I am there for you. Child of mine. There's one other applicational piece that I, I want to just leave us with as we kind of kick this series off right now. And that's the importance of what we call first on the line. In other words, whatever goes on the line first is going to affect everything that comes after it. Or as we've said, what you put first in your identity impacts all that follows. Not only it impacts everything in your life, it impacts everything that follows. Now, here's what I mean by that. In my life, some of those things I put up earlier, I said, I am, and I put pastor, I put husband. Now, I could put it this way. I am husband, pastor. Does it matter which goes first? Ask my wife. Right, Denise said, it matters which goes first because what goes first impacts the other. And she'll remind me of that from time to time as I need that in my life. On a little bit more serious note, so I kind of open up, I'll bare my soul a little bit. Two other things I can put down. I can put, I am pastor, child of God. Or I can put, I am child of God and pastor. Does it matter what I put first for my identity? Every personality test I take always puts this identity marker with me, and that is I'm an achiever. As an achiever, when I let this get in front of this, here's what'll happen. When things are going good, and when achievements are being accomplished, I'll begin to take credit for things that I don't deserve taking credit for. And when things go bad, my soul is in absolute turmoil. I have no peace. I have no joy. You mean just because things aren't going the way that you want, just because you're not making achievement that way? No, it's because my identity is all tied up in this. And if this isn't achieving right now, I am just an absolute failure. And I had to learn, 
It's such an important lesson for me to learn. Years ago, this is in front of this. When I realized that first and foremost, I'm a child of God, and then I'm a pastor. It really helps me to govern achievement, both the good and the not good that occurs in my life. Now, for you, this may be a career for you. Some careers, they like dominate our identity, right? I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I'm a police officer. I'm an arch- Whatever it is that that career is. Others, it's my heritage, or it's my race, or it's a different orientation that's going on. Whatever it is that wants to just be first and foremost, has it come behind this? I'm doing a journal this year. I'm really not a good journaler. This year hasn't gone, gone bad. But in the front of my journal, I did something at the encouragement of another. What they told me was that you should write down some daily declarations. In other words, things that you're going to say out loud every day just for the impact they're going to have on you. I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I wrote down eight of them. I may add to that list, but I got eight right now. Number one is this. I am a child of God. Number two, Jesus is risen and he is Lord. Now I'll tell you, just by saying those out loud every day this year, the life-changing impact that that has had on me. When things are not going well, when emotionally I'm not doing well, and I just start out, I'm a child of God. I have perspective. And my identity doesn't go spiraling in ways that it shouldn't. How about you? If you were to take this tag, I am, would you put on it today, first and foremost, I am a child of God. And therein is my identity established and all that follows with it. If so, here's what I want you to do this week. Would you, you don't have to do it every day this year, but would you just this week, would you do this one thing? Would you say out loud, beginning of your day, I am a child of God. Just make that declaration out loud and see the impact that it begins to have on that day. Take a moment and thank God. There may be a lot of things you're not thankful for or not well. But there's one thing. God, thank you that I am a child of yours. Because I'm a child of yours, I know that I'm special. That you'll correct me in love if I need it. And that you are there. You'll always be there for me. If you're not yet a child of God, Jesus' invitation His word to you today is this. I hope that you will be. If you will put your faith and trust in what I've done on the cross for you, in my resurrection, and it being sufficient to make you a a child of God, to bring a broken relationship into a living, life-changing one. And today, if you'll trust me, I will do all of this for you. And I hope that you will. Would you join with me in this prayer? 
God, we want to say thank you because not one of us deserve the title child of God. And there is no greater title, no greater mark for our identity to give us firm ground for this life and even for eternity. Thank you. Now, Jesus, for those that are here and they're ready to put their faith and trust in you as Savior, they haven't before, today they are. Help them to realize that this is a life-changing decision. If your prayer is, Jesus, I want to trust you as my Savior, I'm repentant of my sin, and I'm asking you to do your saving work in my life. Can I ask you, would you just with an upraised hand, just lift it up going like, guy, that's me today. Yeah, just wave it at me. Sometimes it takes me just a second to see it. Yeah, all over. Thank you. All of our campuses, even online. Thank you, Jesus, for the saving work that you do in everybody that comes to you for it. And then for this, that you have now made these who are not yet a child of God now to be a child of yours. We give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus. And everybody in agreement said, sometimes we wonder, what do I do next? Or how do I figure out my next step with God? Here at Fox River, it's by Growth Track. And if you haven't been, I hope that you will just to get that next step. Many today, even in this service, have um, acknowledged their desire to trust Jesus. Can we just join in celebrating that decision and welcoming them into really what is the full-blown family of God. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.